Hello, 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 and welcome to the 10th episode of the Press Break Podcast. And for those of you guys who are watching, you guys can immediately see it's just me. Um, Cohen is feeling a little bit under the weather, so it's going to just be me speaking today about um, an interesting topic, well, at least a topic that I deem interesting. Um, but next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program. And, uh, but we didn't want to leave you guys high and dry, so we will, well, I will be um, just talking about the books that I want to read and why I want to read them. Um, I'm going to try to make this quick so that I can explain why I like to read, but I got to give you guys a little bit of backstory on why I want to do this, why I think it's important to read, why I chose these books in particular. Um, so yeah, that's what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be about my 2023 reading list, why I chose these books, why, it's a, why I think it's important to read in general, what I think a person can gain from reading, and um, I would assume that these books are more tailored towards uh, men out there, but since I know that we have a loyal female listener out there, or a few loyal ones, um, towards the end after I give my reading list, I'll recommend a few books that I've read that I think were more t- tailored to um, a female audience. So without fur- further ado, we're going to get started. Um, so the first book for this year that I will be reading, or I'm almost done with it now, is called Atomic Habits, and it's by James Clear. And this book just kind of talks about um, talks about how small things in your life affect who we are, and um, it talks about how you can actually create habits that are beneficial for your life and break habits that are detrimental to your life. Um, and this concept of like small things um, affecting who we are makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Cohen and I have mentioned Jordan Peterson on the podcast many times, but I'm going to do it again right now. Um, he talks about how the things that make your life are not the grand things you do, but it's how you greet your wife in the morning because you do that every day. And I don't have a wife, but you get the point of the analogy or the simile. Um, I guess that's really a metaphor, really. Yeah, that's a metaphor. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the things that you do every single day are the things that actually shape who you are. So you have to if you want something to happen, if you want to change your life in a way, you have to implement the thing every single day or frequently to change it. And he kind of talks about how there's four key things in habit formation, cue, craving, response, and reward, how you can manipulate those four to, those four things to actually create habits and break habits that you don't want. Um, so that's what that book's about. I think it's an interesting read. Um, the second book that I'm going to be reading is called The Ape That Understood the Universe. And this book is by, I don't know. Uh, I, I could look it up. Actually, let me look it up real quick. The Apes That Understood the Universe. Let me see. The Apes That Understood. It's by Steve Stewart Williams. And this book just kind of um, talks about how human beings are a very interesting animal. It's an evolutionary psychology book. I'm going to say that first. So it talks about um, the things that make us human. Uh, which I'm pretty sure. I haven't read it yet. But I'm pretty sure it's going to talk about um, human beings and why we are the social animals that we are and how all the stuff that comes with social stuff. Um, but it also talks about how human beings are a very unique animal in which that we are the only animals that have really developed cultures and um, and what that does for us going down the line. Is, I think that's what we're going to talk about. But it's an evolutionary psychology book, and I'm very interested in evolutionary psychology. Um, this book, the reason why I wanted to read this book, because it reminds me of another book that I had read called Sapiens. And in the beginning of that book, the beginning of that book called Sapiens, it talked about how human beings are the only animals that can um, that can bond behind myths. So 
other animals can only bond around the immediate stuff around them. So there is, so if there were two deer here and their, their predator was around them, they could potentially bond around running away from the predator. Something immediate that's real in the, I don't want to say real like that, but real in three-dimensional space, right? Whereas human beings can bond behind an idea, a myth. So human beings can bond behind being a black, being black or part of the same race or white. That's the same race. But you know. Behind a race, they can bond behind an identity, being an American or being French or being a New Zealander. That We can bond behind uh, liking the same stuff. So human beings are very unique in that sense. And I think this book, The Eighth Day Understood Universe, is probably going to talk about some similar stuff. So I just thought it would be interesting to read. Um, the third book that I'm going to be reading is called Laying Down the Sword. And this book is written by a guy who is neither a Muslim or a Catholic or Christian. Um, but he's talking about how um, Westerners especially, we have this idea of the Quran, which is the, um, the Muslims' religious doctrine, their religious book. And then, um, and even people that I know in my, in my life think that, um, the Quran is just a, a book that teaches hate, but, um, this guy talks about, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's stuff in the, um, the old Testament or the Torah that, um, that we can't ignore that talks about a lot of violence. So I thought it would just be interesting to get both, both perspectives on something like that. And I'm just, I just want to read that. I just thought it would be interesting. Um, the fourth book that I'm going to be reading is called Blue. It's called Blue Ocean. Um, it just talks about how it's a it's more of a business book. It talks about how um, competition is for losers if you actually want to succeed in a in a business. So um, so Blue Ocean is the idea that um, you're in a market segment that doesn't exist, or that you're the first one to get there, and you can set up your foundation in your base, and then make it a red ocean for other people trying to enter that market. Um, and there's two ways to do that: is to build a completely new industry, which I would think that in the age of the internet, that would be very difficult to do. And second, you can uh, combine two already existing industries and find another market segment. So um, that example is probably more feasible. Excuse me. Um, that example is probably more feasible. And um, the person that I think about when I think of that example is like a, um, it's like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs uh, was able to combine two markets and make the iPhone. So the two markets that he combined were, there were already desktops that were able to search the internet and stuff of that nature. There were already phones, but there was not a smartphone. So that's where the iPhone came in. Um, yeah. So that blue ocean is about that kind of stuff about uh, finding new market segments. And I just, I'm interested in business. I'm interested in evolutionary psychology. So that's why um, I have, I'm going to be reading these books, but blue ocean is more of a business book. I think that that can just be beneficial for my life as a whole. The fifth book that I'm going to be reading is called Nudge, and this is a evolution. No, this is a behavioral economics book. And behavioral economics is like a field that is very, very, very related to behavioral sciences, which is basically the study of why we make the choices that we make. Um, I've read this book before, and it is a book. It's very interesting. It talks about how um, there are two examples that I really remember, or well, one example and one thing that's from the book that I remember. Um, one of the things that I remember from the book. Um, was that human beings are lost adverse, which means that um, a better motivator for people is taking something away from them. So just say if you're running a company, a better way to motivate people to do better would be to give them a bonus and tell them, hey, if you don't hit these sales quotas or you don't do this, we're gonna take them away. 
versus incentivizing them saying, hey, if you guys do well, we'll give you this. People are much rather, it's more painful for them to have something than lose it rather than have the potential to gain it. So, and um, the example from the book that I remember was, uh, um, since it kind of talks about how situations and environments affect our decision-making, it talked about how, there was an example of how um, in these bathrooms, the janitors were uh, were complaining that the men were, there was urine all over the floor, right? And all over places that it shouldn't be, right? And um, the, these janitors were complaining about it. And the way that they solved this problem was to put like this little fly inside of these urinals. And if you're a guy, um, you know that if there's something in a urinal, you, you try to hit it as like a target. So the men started doing that and then like, the 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 cleanup was much less when they just had that little thing in there. So it took this huge problem of, of cleaning up and um, and waste everywhere, and they just put a little sticker of a fly inside of a urinal, and it changed the behavior. Or or they could have done something like trying to tell them how bad it is, how harmful it is to people, but men wouldn't care about that. So they influenced their decision by putting the fly in there, which is very interesting. Um, so that's a behavioral economics book, and I'm into that stuff, so I'm going to read that. Um, the sixth book is called Lost Connections, and this is a book that talks about um, talks about uh, sadness and depression, and it talks about is it either a is it a environmental thing or is it a chemical balance thing? Like, um, and I would assume it's both, but I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. Um, I just thought that would be an interesting book because if I were to if I have the if I have the, if I were to have those conversations in the future. Or if I wanted to help someone going through something like that, I think it'd be interesting to know what they're going through and how they can actually get out of that. That's what I expect to get out of that book. I don't know if I'm going to get that out of it, but I would assume I would be. Um, the seventh book is a book that I have read. It's called The Expectation Effect. And um, the things that I remember from this book are um, that the brain is a prediction machine and that um, it, it talked about this interesting study that I want to share. Um, so the brain being a prediction a prediction machine, um, the brain at all times is trying to use the least amount of effort possible. So, but to do that, it has to make predictions and expect certain things. So when I walk into my own room, my brain has already made a mental model of the room before I even get inside of it because um, it wants to know what what I what something it, it doesn't want something in here that can be harmful to me. So it has to have like an expectation of something of everything in the place that it's going to be in. Um, and something else that I remember from the book was talking about how um, another expectation effect uh, that people have, it can like, it's pretty nuts. It's a, uh, it, it was talking about, it showed the study about how these people who, um, who, who were self-reported to have um, gluten intolerance. Um, so they did the study with these people where they brought them in and they gave them some food. And then they said, Oh, we're sorry. Um, we gave you some food with gluten in it. And, um, so then after they found out, oh, they, they had eaten gluten, their body started to react. And uh, they, some people got high, some people got diarrhea and stuff of that nature because they were gluten intolerant. But the crazy thing about it is they didn't even eat gluten. They lied to the people. They had food that had no gluten in it at all, but their body still reacted as if they had really eaten gluten because they had expected that to happen. So when I read that, I was like, this is crazy. Um, that book is very good. Um, I'm going to reread it again. Um, yeah, it was very, it's a very good book. The eighth book I'm going to be reading is called Tipping Point, which is a book by Malcolm Gladwell. And this book kind of just talks about how um, different things can become social and uh, cultural phenomenons. There's like three parts to it. It's like Mavens, something and something. I can't remember, but I have read this book before. Um, 
and it just talks about yeah how um, the tipping point that he's re- 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 referring to is how something can go up, 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 and then it eventually becomes this cultural phenomenon and it tips over and becomes like something that we all know about. Uh, that book is going to be good because I think that if you can combine stuff like Blue Ocean, Tipping Point, and you like what we're trying to do with the podcast or another business venture that I want to do hopefully in the future, um, if you kind of learn these kind of things, you can kind of implement strategies that are a little bit different to uh, get the desired result. Um, so that's why I'm reading these kind of books. Um, nine is Outliers, uh, which is another book that I've read by Malcolm Gladwell. It talks about how um, the best performers have, it's like a perfect a perfect stew of circumstances that allows them to uh, succeed. So it, talks, it tells the story of Bill Gates, of how he was a very, very smart intellectual kid. And um, I think he was on the West Coast or East Coast. I, don't, I can't remember, but he was one of the only people at the time to ever have access to a computer. Um, it was like at this university that he would go into and code all day, but it was like only like two computers in the whole United States. And he lived like 15 minutes away from one. It was something crazy like that. And they also tell these stories um, about these hockey players and the, the, the tie between the hockey players and Bill Gates is this concept that he talks about called accumulated advantage. And it just kind of talks about that. Um, so with the hockey players, the accumulated advantage is that a lot of the best hockey players, uh, Malcolm Gladwell notes that they were, um, they were born in the same month. And what this means is that when they were born in the same month, they were held back a year. And was, um, they would play with kids who were a little bit slower and uh, not as strong as they were because they had a year of development on them. So they would perform better. So because they were, because they were performing better, they would get on the best teams. And then since they were on the best teams, they would get the best coaches. So then they would get the best training and they would get the best, you know, things like that. So they started to exceed, excel, excel, excel. And over time, um, this makes a huge difference in people's lives versus the best performing people and the people who just play hockey for fun. Um, and just that concept was very interesting to me. Um, so I want to reread the book. Um, number 10 is a book that I have not read. It's by uh, Will Store. I have two books on here by Will Store. Um, this one called The Status Game. And this book, he talks about how there's three status games that we all play. I think Conan and I have talked about it a little bit before, but there's three status games that we all play as human beings to rise in the social um, hierarchy. Um, there's a dominance game, a virtue game, and a skill-based game, right? So, and sometimes these games can be interconnected and some games use a combination of two or three or whatever. Um, so a skill-based game is more of like a chess game where it's mainly on skill, you know, you, it, you can't, it's, it's a skill. It's who knows the most chess openings, who knows the mid game, who knows, who recognizes this, that, that. Um, a dominance game is, will be something like a sport, like a MMA or boxing. Even though there is still skill involved in that, like I said, it's, it can be a combination of two or three of them. But boxing MMA is more of a dominance-based game. I'm going to impose my will and beat you up. That's what it is, you know, dominance. Um, and the last one is like a, a virtue game. Is, um, is I can think of something like religion, where um, the popes, the priests, they are following, or just people in general who are not popes and priests and like stuff like that. The, the way of rising in like a virtue game is we there's a set of rules that we are all we've de- we've decided as a community makes us valuable. Whoever follows these rules to a T rises in the hierarchy, you know. So um, I just thought I had never heard that concept before. 
And I just thought it was super interesting. So I wanted to read the book. Um, and the guy seems like a really eccentric, good journalist type of guy. I thought he was cool. So I wanted to read his book. And the second, uh, the 11th book I'm going to be reading is also another book by Wolf Store. It's called Selfie. And um, in this book, he talks about how Western cultures and Eastern cultures view things completely different. And um, the reason that I bought the, his, his this other book by him is because he, in one of the books that he was, in this book, when he was like talking about it, he talked about how this skinny, extroverted, successful person that we're all striving to be here in Western cultures doesn't exist. It's a, it's an esoteric idea. And I, when he said that, I immediately thought like, well, what am I supposed to be striving for if I don't want to be in shape? I don't really want to be extroverted, but extroverted and successful. Like why, what, what else is there to do if, if I'm not going to do that, you know? And, uh, that just let me know like, wow, I'm really, I've really bought into this system. Like I didn't even think about, there's another idea. There's another ideal out there. That's not this. Um, and he kind of talks about this, this, uh, Western ideal versus Eastern ideals and how Eastern cultures are more collectivist and how, um, they're more concerned about the group. And, and they, they showed this, um, how they showed the study where people from Western cultures, when they walk into a room, they focus on main key points of a room. So if you're, I don't know, this is just an example, but if you walk into a living room, you may look at the TV as a Westerner, the, the furniture as a Westerner, and maybe one or two things, right? Whereas when Eastern people from Eastern cultures walk into a room, they look at the entire room to gain more concepts of what's in there. So maybe they're looking at the TV, maybe they're looking at the carpet, their furniture, the chandelier, the window. They're, you know, they, they're taking in more things to build a complete picture. And I thought like, wow, like when he explained it, I was thinking like, wow, what else am I missing because I'm a Westerner and think like an individual? So I just thought that was super interesting. I'm, I'm getting really interested in cultures and stuff. So I just wanted to read that book as well. And um, the last book, um, number 12 is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And this guy was on Joe Rogan, maybe, he was maybe on Joe Rogan, maybe two years ago, maybe now? Excuse me. Um, he was on Joe Rogan maybe two years ago, and he kind of talked about the importance of sleep and how sleep is like, it's the most important thing for the human body, basically. It, it's where you get all your repair, that's where your neuroplasticity happens, where you learn stuff in your brain. Um, and he told this example of how um, uh, athletes, that when they do like the stability ball, so if you can imagine, um, for those of you guys who don't know what like a stability ball type thing is, it's like, excuse me, it's like a half, if you can imagine a circle, like a sphere, like a circle, a ball, and if you cut it in half horizontally and then put something on top of it, so like fill that hole and you put that on the ground, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a balancing tool to show your stability. Um, hopefully you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, for those of you guys who are looking on video, I'm going to put like a, an image of it up. But for those of you guys who may not know, just listening, I'm sorry. Because uh, <laughs> I'm doing a horrible job of explaining what it is. But it's it's used for stability. And um, they noticed that when people had a, just one good night of sleep, changed the um, their stability by 30%. So one good night of sleep, they were 30% better at stability from one night of sleep. And... Um, yeah, he was, he was talking about, and um, for those of you guys who are CrossFit or in CrossFit athletes or are interested in CrossFit, um, Matt Frazier has also said that sleep is the most important thing for his life and when he was competing, actually, and um, and that if sleep was a performance-enhancing drug, it would be banned because it's that powerful. So just um, these books are the books that I would want to read just because um, 
I think they're interesting. I think they can tie into my life. I think the knowledge um, that I can gain from these books is going to be like super like paramount for what I'm trying to do in my life in the future. And the reason why I'm rereading some of these books is because all throughout my life, I've never annotated any books ever. Well, I guess in school, I've done it, so I don't want to say it like that. But in my own reading, I've never annotated any books ever. So this year, I actually want to annotate the books and um, actually try to remember the stuff in the books, like re remember names, dates, stuff like that. Um, so I can actually have a more more knowledge in my mind. Um, and then, like, so in the beginning of this, in the beginning of this episode, I said that if you're a woman, you probably wouldn't like those books. So I don't know, but you probably didn't. Um, so if you have stuck all the way to the end and you didn't like any of these books, um, some of the books that I would recommend, if you're not interested in, uh, nonfiction books, you're more interested in fiction books. Um, I would say books like Twilight. I've read, I think three of the Twilight books are pretty good. Um, it has like a little more love story action in there, like a little love triangle action. You probably might like that. Um, I think, um, a few, I have a few books here by, uh, Colleen Hoover. I'm pretty sure you guys know who that is if you're a female. Um, but if you don't, she's a very good fiction, love, story, writer, author. I think I've read her book called, Ug Ug it's called Ugly Love is the one that I've read. But I didn't finish it because it's, it's a little bit too much for me, but I'm pretty sure you guys will like it. Um, I don't know if I said Fifty Shades of Grey already. I think that's a little bit. It's uh it's very descriptive, but <laughs> if you're into that, you should read that book as well. And um, I used to have like a negative outlook or a negative uh, perspective on books like that. I used to think, like, why would I read a book like that when I could just learn something? But I actually recently learned there were studies done that showing that people who read fiction books are actually they can they can help them to become more empathetic. So when you're reading something, so if you're reading a fiction book, for example. And the character is going through sadness. The parts of your brain, as if you were going through sadness, actually light up to a lesser degree than if you actually were sad. But they do light up. And um, that has shown that when you, as you mimic those emotions, you can actually, it can actually help you to understand other people's emotion when they're going through something. So reading fiction books can, can actually help you to become more empathetic. So they're not all for nothing. They're just not my cup of tea. Um, and then... And also in the beginning, I explained why I wanted to read, actually. So um, I have this crazy theory that, one, I wanted to be, when I grow up and be older, I want to be like a really um, knowledgeable person, one. And when I get old, I want to be witty still. I don't want to be like one of those old people who are kind of, um, I'm trying to be trying to be sensitive to the way I say this, but I want to be an old person who still has his wits about him, you know, um, who's still witty who's still knowledgeable, who has stories, who has experienced different things. So I think reading can also help you with that, get gain perspective on cultures, just learn stuff that is just interesting. Um, so I want to do it for that. I wanted to do it for to learn stuff. And I also wanted to do it, how else did I want to do it? I think that's really it though, to be honest. I think that's, that's the reason I wanted to learn. Oh, and also, um, I think that we as a society, like even as we, I was just looking at something actually about it, how the human attention span has actually been getting gradually, gradually smaller. And you can see this when we look at stuff like the rise of short form content, like TikTok or YouTube shorts or Instagram reels. Like you, if you guys know, like if you're scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, 
you decide within 0.5 seconds if you're going to watch the video. You just scroll, 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 and then you look up, scroll again. It's um, I think that it's really changed our brain chemistry, and I don't really like that. I want to be able to focus for long periods of time if I need to. Um, so I think reading kind of forces you to do that. Like that's why I don't really personally like audiobooks because you can do other stuff. I want to just be fully engrossed in the one thing that I'm trying to do. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that can be very helpful for us to kind of get that attention span back, you know, because it went from long form movies to TV shows to social media to now the the shortest of social media. So I just I don't know. I think that can be really very detrimental to us as human beings. So I, I think it's really important to read. I think that you guys should read more. I think um, maybe if you don't want to do this, this is the first time I've ever even had a reading list for a year. Maybe if 12 books is too much for you, try to get two books a year. In. That's very doable. You have, and the way that I'm reading these books is I'm just reading 10 minutes a day. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. 10 minutes a day, not 10 minutes a day. For Atomic Habits, I was reading 10 pages a day. Um, that's how I'm reading. So however much the, um, the book has, how many pages it has, I just divide it by the month that I'm in. So how many days are in the month? And then I just read that many pages a day and it gets very simple that way. So now I can read 12 books in a year. Um, yeah, I think it'll be very beneficial for those of you guys who actually want to learn something or become more empathetic. Like I said, the fiction books, I think that can be very helpful for us as human beings. Um, so if you stuck all the way to the end, of this episode. I definitely appreciate it. Um, if you guys have any book recommendations, please let me know. I'm, I'm willing to change the books that, that I'm going to read, especially the ones that I've, that I've already read. If you think that I can gain something else from another book, you can definitely let us know on Instagram at Pressberry Podcast, or you can leave a review and, um, and tell us your book recommendations. Um, make sure to leave a review just because, um, be sure to like, comment, subscribe on, uh, on YouTube. Our subscriber numbers are going up gradually, and we appreciate each and every one of you guys. It means a lot to us. Even though Colin's not here, I know it means a lot to him as well. So thank you. Um, yeah, I believe that is it. Um, this has been the Press Break Podcast, uh, the solo version. You know, um, I hope that you guys are having a great day. I really want you guys to understand that you can do anything that you want to do in this life. Just have a plan. And go for it. Um, we love you guys. Cohen's not here, but we love you guys. And I hope you're achieving your dreams, going, striving for it. Um, you can do anything. Peace.